Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Scran, the podcast passionate about Scottish food and drink. This week I'm joined by a panel of whiskey experts to debunk whiskey myths, chat about tasting notes and how best to approach whiskey as a novice, their current favourite drams and what virtual festivals are taking place this spring. On this panel are James Campbell, the non-executive chairman of the Spirit of Speyside Festival, which has been running for over 20 years in the beautiful whisky-producing region. Whisky author Becky Paskin, who has set out to make whisky more accessible to all through Our Whisky, a company she has co-founded. And World Whisky Day founder Blair Bowman, who is also keen to make whisky a drink for all, no matter how you want to try it. I'm a huge whisky fan myself, so it was great to get these three together to discuss what they're drinking now and things to look forward to from the industry. Today I'm joined by writer and our whisky co-founder Becky Paskin, whisky author and World Whisky Day founder Blair Bowman and Spirit of Speyside non-executive chairman James Campbell. Hi everyone. Hello. Hey Russ. Basically we've gathered you all here because you're all involved individually and collectively in different whisky, virtual whisky festivals which are happening pretty soon if not already. It'd just be good to have a chat about different things that you are involved in. If we just start with Becky, could you tell me a bit more about your second Our Whiskey Festival and what people can expect? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm so happy to say that the Our Whiskey Festival is back for a second year. We've got five sessions that are all themed and they're running between the 29th of April to the 27th of May. So on a Thursday night at 7pm. And each one of the, the tasting sessions has five whiskies presented by five whiskey makers, uh, but it's all blind until the day. <laughs> That's the fun of it. So we really, I really wanted to create a festival that just uh, recaptured some of that magic of actually walking into a room, a masterclass at an actual live festival um, and not really knowing what's going to be in front of you until you sat down and you were told, hey, here's a whiskey and uh, this is the, this is what it's all about. So the sessions are themed to help guide you through um, which tasting pack to, to get hold of. Tickets are £30, um, that's it. And all of the money goes to charity. All of the profits go to charity. So it's a great whiskey festival for a great cause, ultimately. Nice, sounds good. Oh, well, you're going to be in for a treat, uh, actually, Roz, because there's. I'm going to give you a bit of an exclusive now. So just uh, this week, we saw the launch of a very special rye whiskey made in England, and it sold out almost immediately. And I want to let your your listeners know that there is this whiskey in the rye tasting pack. So sorry to give this one away, but I think you should know because otherwise you're never going to get a chance to taste this one, but it's a very special whiskey. So Oxford rye is going to be in the rising tide. So if you did want to uh, taste that whiskey, you're not going to get any other chance ever again. <laughs> so this, this is your last chance to, to get a taste of that whiskey and, and taste it alongside some other fantastic ryes from around the world as well. So sounds great. Well done. And James, have you signed up to any virtual festivals or are you too busy with Spirit of Speyside just now? Well, the dates are slightly clashing with us at the moment, but I, I'll, I will try my very best to come and join because it, it sounds like Becky's done a terrific job there and uh, that all sounds very, very exciting. And Blair, World Whiskey Day is very soon um, and we spoke last year about how people can celebrate at home, which was the start of like the first lockdown, um, which feels about 10 years ago now. <laughs> But now you're doing a World Whiskey Day weekender, mm -hmm. so what can people expect from that one? Yes, I mean, this is quite a special year because this is the 10th the year, which I really can't believe, of World Whiskey Day being celebrated annually. The team at World Whiskey Day put together a really clever kind of platform 
uh, kind of similar to what's happening with the spirit of space side that people get a ticket and they can log in and then they can access lots of different sessions that are happening across the weekend there's basically sessions from new world whiskey japanese whiskey you can have kind of one-to-one chats with the the makers of these whiskies and kind of whiskey industry experts from kind of big brands and small brands you can do whiskey tours from the comfort of your own home so tours of distilleries all around the world and um, there's going to be special kind of cocktail master classes and kind of cocktail deconstructions with uh, expert mixologists and you can again you can ask them questions we're bringing our kind of famous big fat whiskey quiz which is a an annual quiz we've done a couple of times and um, so we're doing two versions of the quiz we're doing a kind of light-hearted kind of beginners level and then we're doing what we're calling the cast strength version which is going to be super geeky and super tough and you know in the previous ones we've had what's the difference in in weight between an early 2000s Glen Cairn and a current modern Glen Cairn um, just as an example because <laughs> the people that come to our quizzes are so geeky within the whiskey world and it's a kind of sp- safe space really to have a bit of fun and get frustrated if you can't remember the exact you know distillations of whatever so um, we quite like doing that and it's quite a nice kind of uh, venture just to do for, for people within the trade so but it is open to everybody and that's going to be available separately to the platform anyone can take part in the quiz it's free to attend but we're asking for donations for charity for that and then finally we've just got a couple other things we've got a uh, whiskey and food pairings and whiskey and beer pairings uh, going on and then there's going to be entertainment and music happening as well so once you've got a ticket to get into the platform and the tickets are 15 pounds uh, from 15 pounds there's other add-ons that you can have that bring in tasting packs and so on you can then access all of this content um, and there's going to be a lot of interesting things happening yeah sounds great um, and that's sorry that's the uh, first is the first weekend of me it's the third weekend in may third weekend in may sorry third that's yeah. world whiskey day obviously yeah. hard to believe there it's uh, 10 years gone past i remember you were bright eyed and bushy tailed when we first met <laughs> yeah i mean i can't believe it either james i mean i feel like it's <laughs> Bishy face now. Yeah. I was just bushy faced, James. I managed to stop myself with the big beard. But it is funny because I feel like this thing that you know has grown, it's kind of gone through school and it's now kind of primary school and it's like it's hit ten years. You know, it's, it it feels quite surreal, really, to have been ten years and and just every year surreal seeing the amount of activity that happened around the world. You know, on this day and it's people celebrating whiskey in all its types and forms. It's bringing people into the category because, you know, we're really keen to champion people coming into whiskey because a lot of people, you know, for us, you know, all of us here every day is whiskey day because we're always tasting and sampling and reviewing. And, but most people never touch whiskey and they sometimes just need a little bit of a nudge or kind of open arms to kind of come in and, you know, welcome, you know, everyone's welcome to whiskey. And I'd always kind of likened it, and I've told you this before, Ros, that, you know, a bit like on St. Patrick's Day, you know, people suddenly have a Guinness who never normally drink Guinness. And people just need that little bit of kind of a reason to try something again if, if, if it's been a while. And that was something I've always really been keen to kind of promote with World Whiskey Day. And I think it's it's getting there, but it is still in its infancy. You know, 10 years is a milestone, but I think it's still got a long way to go. Well, you've done well in 10 years. I mean, you've come some way. It's quite, been quite a journey. So good for you. Thanks, Jay. That means a lot. And James, Spirit of Speyside is going online for the first time. And I know you've got loads on, so I, I don't know if you'd be able to give us a kind of potted overview. But for those that don't know, it's a huge festival that's normally held in Speyside over the May Bank holiday, the first May Bank holiday. But it can't go ahead this year, but it will be online. So what can we expect? A lot, I can imagine, because I've seen the programme. Um, but yeah, if you could give us a kind of idea of what people can look forward to. Yes, uh, we're very excited, Ross. I mean, we've got an amazing program. I mean, the, the events are fantastic. We've got about sixty plus events. Um, rather than just lining them up and allowing distillers to, you know, use their own platforms, we thought we would try and create the festival feel, bring everybody together. We've got a social lounge with tables. We've got booths. We've got several stages. There is a speed networking option. Um, so there's a great chance to, to meet and interact uh, with all of the 60 events. Your, your four-day festival pass we're putting out for £15, and for that you can interact and watch all of the 60 events uh, of your choosing. We also have tasting packs, but these are going very quickly. Royal Mile Whiskies have still got uh, some tasting packs as well. But uh, we've got, you know, and just others spoil us. I mean, they, they create, uh, Spirit of Space, I've, festival as you all know 
uh, back in 2020, we were ready to launch with 710 events, which was going to be an absolute record for us. Uh, this time we've got 60 events, which is still fantastic, spread over five days. Uh, we've got distillery tours for distilleries you cannot get into. Uh, we've got lots of tastings. We've got uh, mixology. Uh, we've got, um, uh, interestingly, we've got some of the Space Out stars, uh, Mr. Blair Bowman included. So something for everyone. So something new to whiskey, uh, there will be an opportunity for you to sit and learn and from, from the people who know and, and for our experts and uh, all our connoisseurs, there's going to be lots there with so many top people on display. Yeah, sounds, sounds really good. And um, yeah, it sounds very interactive as well, which I'm looking forward to seeing. We've got passes to go and we've got some tasting packs on the way, so I'm looking forward to that. Becky and Blair, you are part of it and kind of James kind of touching it there. So what, what is it exactly that you guys are going to be doing as part of Spirit of Speyside? Well, I think first of all, like the platform that you guys are using, I got to play with it uh, earlier this week and it's, it's just, really it's, as you say, so interactive and it's really fun and really clever. I love the networking thing where you can just go and sit yeah. at, a at a table with someone. It's It's really nice. I love the way that it's bringing people together and hopefully it will enable people who maybe haven't had the opportunity to get to, to Speyside uh, to really get involved with the festival. And I, for me, that's probably the biggest draw is, is its ability to bring people together, whiskey lovers together from all over the world. And people tend to go to festivals like Spirit of Speyside uh, and like a lot of other festivals as well that aren't just virtual uh, to, to see their friends and to, to meet together and, and, I'm doing a, a musical drams piece with, do you know, I think there's quite a lot of us whiskey writers doing, doing this with, with Anne Miller. There's, um, so for instance, there's uh, Charlie McLean, there's uh, Joel Harrison, Neil Ridley, Dave Broom, Martin Newey, myself. There are so many of us, we're all bringing a whiskey and uh, we're matching it to a piece of music and also having a chat. So I think it's a great opportunity if you ever more than anything, had a question for a whiskey writer, then that's a session to get into and enjoy some whiskey at the same time and learn from some of the best in the business. Some of these these whiskey writers have been around for, well, more than 10 years. <laughs> really, like, I don't want to be you know, rude to give away their ages, but my goodness, these, these are real experts. We still have uh, we still have uh, passes to sell at spiritspacehead.com. I mean, we still have space, but uh, as Becky says, the platform is very interactive and absolutely superb. So uh, we're hoping that uh, you know we'll create that great festival the vibe and get reconnect people with each other who have maybe not seen each other for a year or two, actually. Spirit Space Side has been going for 20 years. It's got a huge global audience. Um, hopefully, who they're going to come together online this year, as we said. But question for everyone, but starting with James, um, what do you think is the world world? Sorry, the world. <laughs> easy for me to say. <laughs> the worldwide appeal of whiskey, and in particular, Space Side as a destination. Uh, well, I, I, I'm slightly biased, but I think Space has got everything. I mean, you've got uh, Scotland in miniature, um, starting from the top of the uh, River Spey up in the Cairngorm National Park, all the way through down these small villages with, I think I was at, uh, at uh, the Telford Bridge the other week there, and if you draw a circle of about 20 miles from there, you cover 42 distilleries. So that is Whiskey Central, you can stay there, but you go all the way down to the coast and the lovely Murray Coast, um, but Speyside, we, we always think that people come to Speyside firstly year one for the whiskey, but it's the people that they meet, the great stars who work for our distillery companies, the people of Speyside, visitors from last year, last time was 35 different countries, and the friendships that they create, it brings people back year after year, and as Becky said earlier, uh, it's, sometimes you only see each other once a year, it's amazing friendships. And the other plus we've got is um, we're, it's a very small community. I'm afraid if you're in Space Ed, there's sometimes only one or two hotels in the village that you're in, <laughs> only one or two bars, and um, you can't help but uh, connect with people and get to know them. And we've got some great events and the, the locals get involved as well. Um, and uh, I think it's just that. There's the camaraderie. It's the spirit. Uh, well, there's the spirit of Space has got two meetings. There's a spirit, which is the whiskey, but I always think it's the spirit of the people um, who work in the drinks industry throughout, whether it's uh, writers, distillers, uh, marketing, everybody who gets together uh, and the spirit of the local people throw that in and we've got uh, an amazing concoction there. 
Um, and Becky, what, what, do you, what are your thoughts on Speyside and, and particular whiskey as like a global pool? I think whiskey just has this kind of um, magical aura that really draws people in. It's, uh, I, and funnily enough, I think even for the best distillers and blenders, they can talk, they can talk scientific terms and talk about how flavour is created. But ultimately, there's a certain magic kind of um, je ne sais quoi about whiskey that just is unexplainable. There's, I think the other thing that really draws people into it is that once you go into that rabbit hole, once you try it for the first time and you start to explore the different flavors and varieties that there are, you start to realize that actually there is this whole world of whiskey that is, uh, it's so diverse and there is so much flavor and there is so much uh, opportunity uh, to explore. And there's, it's not just one style and that's what I love about whiskey and so many people when they first when I first speak to them and they say oh do you know what I don't really like whiskey I tried one once and I my response to that is okay well have you ever tried a wine or a beer that you didn't like well that didn't put you off trying more wine and beer you just knew that that one variety wasn't for you so try more whiskey because there are so many different styles available uh, I think that's what's quite alluring about about whiskey itself and that and also as as james says this kind of community of global whiskey lovers we we talk about the whiskey family the global whiskey family because that's what we are as whiskey drinkers you tend to be united over this like beautiful drink and i think if you were to choose um a location where that really is embodied then you know Speyside is definitely one of those places yeah absolutely yeah, that'd be great. Get your uh, hotel bookings in now. <laughs> I say that because I managed to get the Kugeliki the year I went a few years ago and I've been booking it in advance ever since because it sells out so quickly. But Blair, same question. What are your thoughts? Have you got anything to kind of add to the whole global whiskey family and Speyside as a destination? I think everything that Becky and James have said is, is so true. Um, you know, it is a really special place. This is one of the few times, there's, there's a couple kind of key calendar points, I guess, in the kind of whiskey uh, kind of year and that's one of them where you really do have everyone in town for that evening and for that kind of weekend of events so it's really special from that sense but there's something special about going to Speyside especially for the first time and tasting whiskey in the place that it's made there's just this extra you know as Becky said there's just quoi about you know being in the place and being with the people that made it you can yes whiskey I think has the power to do that if you are in a bar in New York or Tokyo just a sip of it can transport you to to being there but there's just this extra element that you can't replicate. And, you know, the funny thing is about the festivals, it's always the same, you know, dates in May. But some some years it's glorious sunshine, like we've got today. Other years I've been there, it's been <laughs> snowing. There's other years it's been an absolute washout. You know, and it's funny, and that's just Scotland. And that's something that you have to explain to these guests who have travelled there. You know, this is what we're used to. You get all the different seasons in a day. And the thing, the thing, the thing that got me into whiskey really was when I, you know, learned that whiskey, single malt whiskey, is made from just three ingredients: water, malted barley, and yeast. But they all taste so different, as Becky was saying. And when you start to think, wow, there's such a concentration here of so many distilleries, more distilleries than anywhere else in Scotland, and they all taste completely unique. And some of them are literally neighbours, you know, using potentially the same barley supply, potentially the same water source sometimes, but they all taste so different. And that's what I think gets people interested, and they get the bug, and they want to keep coming back and trying more and more yeah it's funny when you're saying that um, it's the one weekend where everybody's there and you see everyone that you don't often see it's like Christmas Eve isn't it when you go home for Christmas and everybody who you like folk from school and people that you've not seen you go out yeah. and <laughs> yeah so just to to get back to whiskey in general um there'll be people probably listening that maybe aren't into whiskey or they've, they've heard some things that they're not quite sure about and Becky you mentioned and I have a lot of friends that say this or they've tried it and they don't they don't like it so what would you say is the most annoying myth about whiskey that's not true? We'll start with Becky. Oh my goodness. <laughs> there are so many myths surrounding whiskey. It's, um, I think it's difficult to just pick one. For me, it's that um, it's too strong or that, um, I'm going to say this, or that women can't drink whiskey because it's too strong and it's it's a man's drink and very masculine and something that only men should really approach. And what I'd say to that is, well, do you drink gin? Because gin is bottled mostly at 40% ABV and most uh, whiskey is also bottled at 40% ABV. So in terms of strength, they're exactly the same. 
um, you would drink gin with tonic water. And a lot of people who don't necessarily drink whiskey would, will drink gin and tonic or they'll drink a, a vodka and coke or, or something along those lines. Um, whiskey can be mixed. You can drink it anywhere you want. So you can order a whiskey with Coke or with um, any kind of soda that you like. Iron Brew is a great one for, for all the Scottish listeners. I, love, I do love a, a whiskey in Iron Brew um, or even ginger ale with a squeeze of lime in there as well. There are no rules around how to drink whiskey uh, and certainly, absolutely, definitely has nothing to do with your gender either. <laughs> you can enjoy whiskey no matter what your gender is or your age. Uh, obviously, over legal drinking age applies. But uh, yeah, that's that's probably the myth that, that bugs me the most is that it's too strong and um, it's too strong for certain people because like you just drink whiskey however you want. And I think one of the important things to remember, if you're going to go from having whiskey as a mixed drink and actually one of my favorite things to drink, if I'm on a night out, a night out, out, <laughs> I will, t I tend to drink Jack Daniels and Diet Coke. I really enjoy it. It's, it's sweet. Um, it's few calories because that's a consideration too. And it's delicious. And I'll, I'll make sure I have um, a squeeze of lime in there too, because that just brings it all together. Um, so just drinking something like that. But if you want to move over into drinking whiskey neat, then take your time. Um, there's no rush. Um, take a sip, add some water. Um, always add water if you feel like it's too strong um, and just but just keep going just keep tasting just keep trying different types of whiskey and if you don't find one that you um, resonate with immediately that's okay because there's hundreds thousands of different styles out there that you can you can find and and you'll likely find something that that suits your palate and go to a bar that serves whiskey and like specializes in whiskey they'll be able to help you or even walk into a whiskey shop they'll be able to recommend something for you as well or ask anybody online, people like Blair um, or any one of the other whiskey writers, um, even James or myself or Roz, the, because we're all, all here to help people uh, discover discover whiskey, get started on your whiskey journey. Yeah, same. Um, I did the Glenlivet tour when I was about 16 and obviously shouldn't have been having the whiskey, but was, and asked them for Iron Brew. And this was like, what, early noughties? Or, and they, so they were a bit horrified, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good one. <laughs> I remember I remember being on an aeroplane and uh, flying over to the States and I ordered a, uh, a neat whiskey. I can't remember which one it was now. And the air hostess looked at me with a funny look. She was like, um, are you sure? I said, yeah. Said, okay. Um, do you want some ice with that? No. She goes, oh, um, do you want some Coke with that? No, just the neat whiskey is fine. Thank you. And she kind of gave it to me tentatively. And then when I asked for another one later, she kind of gave me another weird look like I was going to get I was going to be trouble <laughs> <laughs> because I just ordered two whiskeys on a flight that neat. I was going to be I was going to be trouble for her. But yeah, it's funny the the, the misconceptions that people have about whiskey and, and who drinks yeah, it. I've had that in bars as well. But anyway, <laughs> mm. another, yeah, another time. <laughs> Can I add a bit on that? Yeah. So, I mean, the thing that really frustrates me is the baggage, as kind of Becky's been saying, whiskey. For some reason, unlike other spirits, just there's all this baggage that it comes with and this very negative rule book of no, you can't do this, no, you can't do this, no, 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 no. And it's just nonsense, you know, it really is nonsense. And I, I have this very weird ambition that, you know, in the future we can get to a stage. So if we were all in a cafe just now and the waiter or waitress came over and asked us if we wanted a tea or coffee, we'd probably all order it differently. Mm. You know, someone might want tea with milk and someone might want without milk and someone might want a latte. and you know, cappuccino with chocolate or, or whatever, and we'd all order it differently. And none of us would challenge that. We'd be like, oh, that's weird. Why, why are you having milk in your tea? Or, you know, even the waiting staff saying, oh, are you sure are you sure you want chocolate on your cappuccino? No one would do that. <laughs> you know, no one would challenge it. That's such as, a good point. <laughs> as soon as we're ordering whiskey, we would all order it, like to probably order it differently. But if I'm ordering, so, I, so when I'm on a night out, out, I really like Johnny Walker Black and ginger ale. That's my thing. Or maybe soda water. And, but when I order it, people will challenge it. And even the people I'm with will say, you sure you can do that? Or the waiting staff will say, oh, no, I don't think you can do that with that. I think you can only do it with this kind of whiskey or, or you can't do that with a single one. You know, so I have this weird ambition that we can get to a stage where we can all order whiskey however we wish, as mm. if we were ordering tea and coffee. That's a good point. 
I think there is. I think there is progress being made, Blair. Absolutely. And barriers are being broken down. I think there's definitely. Uh, yeah. If I could just very quickly say, I think one of the myths I don't like so much is that um, as whiskey gets older, it gets better, and so a 25-year-old whiskey is always better than a 10-year-old. And um, I, I think we all know from experience that sometimes, um, sometimes it is, of course, but sometimes a 21 or a 15 or a 10 from that same distillery could be even better. And I think Blair says the variety of expressions that, that helps the Scotch whiskey rather than you know producing bland, you know, similar um, expressions. Uh, and I think that's one of the great uh, strengths of whiskey that that variety that we've got there. Absolutely. Which, uh, which leads me to our next section of the podcast, which is the first time we've done this, but hopefully it's, it goes quite well. We're on Zoom, so if anybody who is listening would like to see what we're talking about, there will be a video. Um, we're going to do a whiskey show and tell. Um, so we've all got a bottle of whiskey that we're going to talk about. I imagine I will not be as eloquent as everyone else, but I'm going to give it a go. It will start with you, James, if that's all right. Can you show us what whiskey you've got? And uh... I've got a, a bottle here. Um which is a, an old expression of 10-year-old Macallan, yes. um, which is probably worth a reasonable amount now. But my friend um, bought it some years ago and put it in the back of his whiskey cupboard. And he knows that that was when I started drinking whiskey back in the 80s, long before our friends here, probably all of you were alive. Um, uh, and funnily enough, we just got Les McEwen dying today. So that's back in that sort of vintage. So I thought I would mention, or yesterday, I should say, but um, I used to drink this 10-year-old whiskey back in uh, the 80s and 90s, and it was probably an equivalent to about 20 pounds a bottle now. But he put it away in the bag of his cupboard, and his son, who was a student, decided to have a party. And they had a little sample out of this bottle. Um, and of course, as you know, once a, a bottle is opened, the value suddenly um, will reduce quite significantly. So he very kindly gave it to me. And uh, so you'll see there's quite a lot left in it as well. <laughs> so I, I will be enjoying a wee drama of this. But th this is the whiskey that I started with way back. Um, uh, and it used to be uh, a real treat when you had a malt whiskey, because at that time it was mainly blended whiskies you found in bars. Um, so I, I'm going to look forward to a wee drama of that maybe this evening. Nice. Yeah, and McAllen, that's probably would have been worth a fortune now, right? Because they go well, crazy. As time goes on, it will get rarer and rarer. Yeah. Yes, it, it will do. And um, but it was a lovely. The ten-year-old for me was a tremendous whiskey. It, it was, and um, and I'm not supposed to talk about any other whiskies. You know, being an independent chairman of Spirit of Speyside, but <laughs> I, I'm I'm making an exception for you, uh, Roz, because that was back in my youth before I. <laughs> Discovered all of the other brilliant space ed whiskies that you can have from all of the other different companies. So it's okay if I say that yeah. to you. Other other whiskies are available. <laughs> <laughs> of course, they are. Other great space ed whiskies are available. Yes. Um, and Blair, what what do you have to show us today and talk about? Yes. Yeah, so I've chosen the Arbiki Hand Dry um, seventeen ninety four. So this is really exciting because it's the only Scottish available uh, rye whisky. Um, and I just think it's fantastic. It's such a delicious whiskey. It's so different to everything else on the market. Um, I've been making it a lot into Manhattans. It's very, very good in Manhattan. In a two-to-one Manhattan, um, just it just works so well. Um, so I'm so excited for this kind of new wave of, of rye whiskies appearing in Scotland. And if I could just touch on kind of how, how this came about, it was, it was quite funny. It was a couple of years ago, they came up with their first release of this and a, a different kind of inaugural release I guess um, and it was quite funny because about that same time there was quite a few other distillers that had started to experiment with rye and it all kind of happened in a flurry I think it was Inchidoni first said this week we've done our first batch of rye and then a few minutes later a few days later Brew Gladys said oh we did some as well quite recently and Diageo said oh we did some too recently but then Arbiki came along and said oh well <laughs> we actually did it three years ago but we didn't shout about it back then <laughs> So they were like miles ahead of everyone else. So they had a product they could release. And then it caused a bit of a kerfuffle in the Scotch Whiskey Association because technically speaking, we're only meant to make malt whiskey or single grain whiskey. And this was this anomaly because it was rye whiskey and they wanted to call it a rye and they couldn't really. And, and basically to get around, I thought it was, it was really sneaky of them. They said, so we're putting it out in the market and actually all of the proceeds are going to charity. So it meant it was a really tough position for the SWA or anyone to kind of challenge it because it was a charitable venture. Um, and I think 
Port Lisanne is amazing. It's completely field, field to bottle, completely you know traceable, but it's just delicious. Um, and I think it's going to be really exciting to see newer rice coming to the market from other parts of the world, as we've kind of touched on already. But it's exciting that this is kind of setting the benchmark for others to match this kind of caliber because this is an exceptional whiskey. Yeah, not so much by that. Sounds very good. Really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, if anyone wants to hear more about RBK, uh, I spoke to Ian recently for uh, an episode of Scran, and it was, yeah, it was great to talk to him about that. And they've got a single malt maturing, but he couldn't tell me too much, or he was going to have to kill me, so. <laughs> and Becky, what about you? What's your whiskey? The Oxford rye uh, is one that I bought. Sorry, I'm coming outside of Scotland, um, throwing a curveball in there uh, for you two, but. So Oxford Rye is something that was launched this week. And as a disclaimer, I helped launch the product um, at their distillery uh, just yesterday. It's my first distillery visit in months. And it was so nice to be at, actually at a distillery. It was so lovely. Um, but this is a, a whiskey that they've been working on for about four years. And they're working with a, a farmer called John Letts, who has this approach to farming, which he calls restorative so it's what he, he says, it's one step further on than organic farming. So he farms his grains in a way that creates a very diverse crop. So he sows um, all sorts of different grains together, rye, oats, um, uh, barley, uh, all legumes, all sorts of things get sown together and creates this really hardy, resilient kind of crop, um, which then once you've harvested it, you can then grow another crop on on the same land um, year after year. And there's no need for any uh, pesticides or any sprays or anything like that, because um, the, the crop itself is so uh, diverse and hardy and resilient to um, to pests, insects and so on. But it also creates this rich uh, ecology and uh, biodiversity within the area, too. So what they're doing is using this grain. So they take all of the grain off of the field um, they then use all of that in their whiskey. They source some malted barley as well to, to help with the conversion, but then they just distill that down into their whiskey. They create this very sticky, rye is a very difficult grain to work with because it's very, very sticky and um, because it's very sticky, boozy kind of porridge, which is very difficult to distill. So they distill with all of the grains in. I'm not sure how our beaky do it, um, whether they're separating their grains out or not, but and basically all, the, all of the grains get stuck onto the still when it's being uh, when it's boiling and creates this kind of like caramelized smoky kind of note in the whiskey so oxford rye for me is it's delicious it's uh, one of the best new releases i've tried in a really long time and for a whiskey that's just three years old sorry it's just a sample bottle that i have if you're watching on mm. zoom i just i'm sorry i have a sample bottle this is actually all sold out so they did their first batch and it sold out immediately they are i actually congrats congratulate them because for a first whiskey i think it was 95 pounds a bottle for their very first whiskey which is phenomenal it, it tastes incredible it's so complex and rich and lots of um banana bread chocolate uh, nutella nutty kind of taste to it but um, 95 pounds a bottle, I think, was a steal. But it all sold out immediately and is already being flipped for nearly 400 pounds on, oh, on auction wow. sites and whiskey base, which is crazy. Um, so that's the reason I've brought this along is because <laughs> I want it because, as I said earlier, Oxford Rye is going to be part of the R Whiskey Festival. I'm so thrilled that we get to share this whiskey with other people out there. So if you're interested in trying... Oxford Rye alongside some other rye whiskies, and I can either confirm or deny that our beaky is in that. <laughs> then um, make sure you get a ticket for the Rising Tide for the Our Whiskey Festival, um, and you'll get to try it. This sold out whiskey that you'll never get to try anywhere else. It's gone. Oh, and don't forget as well, in our tasting packs, there is a golden ticket. I don't think I've mentioned this yet. As part of the festival, we've introduced this year golden tickets. So if you find one in your tasting pack, there are only five throughout the whole festival. But if you find one, you can choose a bottle from your tasting, a full actual bottle for yourself. Wow. That's, that's, that's what you're in. Yeah. Could you choose the Oxford if you yeah. got a gold ticket in yours? Wow. You can choose that's what you want. Wow. I think there's there are a couple where they just don't have, like there's, um, sure. yeah. But, but you can choose the Oxford. There is one set aside. So. Wow. That's uh, that's a choice. That's yeah, find your tickets, but then you might taste something else yeah. in that that pack that you prefer. So, you know, personal taste. But there is one available. 
We'll look out for that. Fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so when it comes to whiskey, um, like nosing and tasting, obviously a big part of it is nosing to get your sort of that part of your tasting note. And you guys have been doing this for a long time. So after a period of time, do you become so well-versed in tasting and nosing that you spend less time doing it and you can just identify things really quickly? Or do you find that regardless of how knowledgeable you are, you still spend quite a lot of time over your tasting notes? See, my nose has travelled so far that it's out of action, so I'm going to leave these two to, to describe that. I, I'm now almost relying on taste 100% because uh, my nose has travelled too many miles, I'm afraid. So, <laughs> But on you go, you guys, so take this part over. So the, the thing for me is really um, actually trying lots of different things all the time and kind of practising my kind of nose muscle um, and training it all the time so that it does get it does get easier. But when I'm writing tasting notes for clients of a project, I actually normally would taste something kind of twice. I normally nose it kind of first thing and not first thing in the morning, but kind of after I've gotten up, I'll have a quick kind of initial kind of tasting notes and my kind of first thoughts. I'll then kind of do my kind of day of desk work and phone calls and Zoom meetings and whatever. And then normally later towards the end of the day, I'll come back to that same sample in a fresh glass just to see if it's changed or to see if I've got detecting anything different in it. So I'm normally going to taste something twice in that sense. Um, but for people who are getting into it, the best thing I'd recommend is just smell everything. You know, go into your kitchen cabinet and just smell all your different spices you've got and just start to notice the differences. And then you might start to detect similarities. And be like, oh, that's a little bit of this spice, so that's a little bit of cloves or whatever. And then if you want to go to that level above, when you are buying cloves, buy a couple of different types of cloves and you'll see the differences because all of these things are organic by nature. They're going to have differences between them. Um, and that's just the way that I've I've always kind of done stuff and I've always been curious. I guess it's about being curious about your sense of smell because it really is so much on your smell. You know, taste is developed from our sense of smell um, on that kind of, it's just the way that our bodies are designed. And it's a fascinating thing that, you know, they actually think other animals don't have this level of detection that we do. And yes, dogs can smell, but they can't articulate it to words. And we've got this strange thing that if I said the color red, you can all know what red is. But if I say orange, you know, again, you're thinking about oranges, but we're maybe all slightly different. It's this funny part of being a human is being able to articulate vocabulary of smells. And it's something we're just not very good at. And we're not used to doing it because it's only when you get into a profession like what we're in that you actually have to start using that vocabulary and start you know, practicing that. Because you go most of your life, even as a child and infant, you, know, you don't have to talk about smells so much. So I just think it's a fascinating part of of whiskey tasting. Um, and yeah, Becky, do you have anything to add to that? Well, that's pretty succinct, Blair. I agree with absolutely everything. There's not much more I can say. I also um, know some taste whiskey first thing in the morning. So if I am get up in the morning, I'll have my coffee, clean my teeth. And uh, some people don't clean their teeth, actually. Devil Gandhi, who makes the lakes um, whiskey, does not clean his teeth before he does uh, anything, which is a really interesting. He just has a, a, a glass of, of warm water and gargles with that and then gets on with the day. Um, it's really interesting. There are so many different approaches to like getting yourself ready for it. And um, mm. for me, it's I have to have a clean desk. I have to have like a little bit of a ritual in the morning. I have to have some fresh air and then I can sit down and get on with it. As Blair says, I'll take a break, I'll get on with my day, and then I'll come back to those samples again later on in the day and um, just see if there's anything I've missed or if it's changed because um, taste, as Blair says, it's so subjective. And um, what Blair tastes or what, or what Roz or James might, might smell or taste will be completely different to me, uh, depending on our experiences. So and I find when I'm when I'm writing tasting notes as well, I try to keep them as um, generic and accessible as possible because um, there's no point me saying, "Oh, I can smell a, a, a this rare black tea that grows in the foothills of the Himalayas and um, it's processed in this certain way and it's um, it's eaten by goats and then pooed out and then they process it that way and then it makes this wonderful tea and that's what I can smell and you can only buy it in this tiny little village from this goat herder because none of you know what that's like so what's the point <laughs> what's the exactly. I'm not saying really that, that that even exists I don't know that that exists but that's yeah. um I there's no point me telling you that that's what I smell because how can you relate to that so I will always try and use um terms um that I think are more wide-ranging 
Uh, and actually, somebody pointed out recently, you know, I like to use, particularly if I'm writing for um, British publications, I like to use um, well-known sweets and chocolate bars and um, candy and, and other foods and things that we know of here. But if I was writing for, say, an American publication, I probably would change that because in America, they're not going to necessarily know what a Cadbury's fruit and nut bar is because that's not something they necessarily have, or at least their chocolate would be very different to ours because... Well, let's it's face something it, I've brands do actually. Mm. Because, I mean, for example, you know, in China, a lot of people have not got the common knowledge of what freshly cut grass is because they live in big cities and there's not big open sweeping lawns and meadows. And we all know what freshly cut grass smells like. And, you know, I'm seeing with some brands that they're actually adjusting and kind of tailoring mm. tasting notes to suit different markets where the vocabulary is slightly different yeah. and the reference points are different, which makes a lot of sense. Mm. And I like your point about sweets. I was, this is a slight tangent, but I was trolled for a while by a German who <laughs> kept writing about Palmer violets and tasting notes. And Palmer violets, is, we all know what Palmer violets are, it's a widely available sweetie here. And he was always writing about Palmer violets, or he kept getting annoyed that he'd never tasted them, but he saw them a lot. So I sent a massive, like, a jumbo bag of Palmer violets anonymously <laughs> many years ago. <laughs> and that was my way of getting back to the troll. Oh, so he didn't troll you because of the palm violence? <laughs> no, no, he was trolling me separately. And then as a kind of thing, I thought I'm going to send him anonymously um, a massive jumble bag of palm violence. What way to kill him with kindness? Yeah, exactly. Mm, that's very nice. The other, the other one that comes up a lot is um, Christmas cake, because we all, we all know what Christmas mm. cake is. And sherry cask whiskey, whiskey Madrid and sherry casks tends to have big Christmas cake spice and flavour. And we all talk about that all the time. But they don't eat Christmas cake in China. That's not a thing. Yeah. So yeah. To, if, you're, if you're writing for the Chinese market or um, you're a whiskey launching in the Chinese market, you really shouldn't be using Christmas cake as a tasting note because yeah. they don't know what you're talking about. So, yeah. But otherwise, everything else that, that Blair said, I completely agree with. It's, um, it's very subjective tasting. I guess, can I just add one final thing? Is for someone who's coming into whiskey and is kind of struggling, I guess, at first to start to put things into words. It's quite a jump to go from just, you know, eating and drinking every day of your life mm. without having to suddenly put words to it. And you don't have to do that. There's no need to write a tasting mm. note if you're just enjoying it, mm. unless you want to. But something that might help is if you actually just pour two glasses of whiskey to begin with that are different. And don't worry about actually articulating it into different words, but just see if you can notice, oh, this one's maybe slightly more citrusy than this one. And that was something, you know, I'd recommend to quite a lot of people mm. to try is rather than drink something in isolation, because if you're just drinking a glass of whiskey on its own, you can't really compare it to anything else. There's no other reference points. Mm. Whereas if you have at least one other, you can compare an A and a B, and it makes it a bit easier to kind of take it to that next level. Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. And especially going back to A as well, once you've compared the two and then going back exactly. to samples, because something you may pick up in A, once you've gone to B and then go back to A, it's going to become even bigger yeah. and more prominent. And the other, the other tip that I would add as well is, so for instance, if you are smelling oranges in a whiskey, so you're like, mm, yeah, this is orangey, to try and develop your understanding of what that flavor is ask yourself okay so i'm smelling orange but what orange is that is it orange juice mm -hmm. is it when you bite into an orange is it the pith is it the zest is it the smell of the skin what is it dried orange peel what kind of orange is that so the more you can kind of just think laterally about mm, i'm not quite sure what it is but as blair says we don't do that in our day to day we don't pick up a sweet yeah. and go mm, this tastes like dried orange peel rather than the, the fruit <laughs> maybe i do maybe <laughs> but, well we we do because this is this is our work yeah, but, but for, for an everyday person especially if you're just coming into whiskey for the first time and you think oh my goodness you know because we've all looked at the wine industry and thought oh my goodness you know we've all seen the um uh, taking the mickey out of, of those wine writers like oh I'm picking up a fresh bouquet <laughs> of, yeah that. exactly like all these like tasting notes that are just unbelievable uh, whiskey is the same <laughs> whiskey's the same it is but uh just take it one step at a time and don't be overwhelmed by it or, t or intimidated I'm, lucky I do, I'm not a whiskey writer I'm very lucky <laughs> I can just concentrate on drinking it which is mm. 
Yes, but actually, James, that's the most important thing. I think it's just enjoy yeah. it because it, does, it really doesn't matter if you can dissect all of the different flavors and aromas in a whiskey, so long as you enjoy it and in, are enjoying it however you want. So if that's with Coke or ginger ale or iron brew or on its own, then perfect. Great. Absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, yeah I, 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 I do try and do that, but no, I do need to, to do it more often, smell everything. I always laugh when you say that, but go into your kitchen cupboards and smell everything. <laughs> It is yeah. a good tip. I mean, it's a, but just what Becky was saying there about thinking about oranges, yeah. it's almost like playing a game of guess who, you know, and you're guessing, <laughs> does this whiskey have a moustache or not? You know, it's like <laughs> you're asking it these kind of questions. So like, is it, is it citrus? And then is it orange or is it grapefruit or is it red? Is it blood orange or is it Seville orange or is it, yeah. you know, ripe or underripe? And it's these questions that when I'm writing tasting notes, I'm kind of zooming in to get to, oh yeah, it is just the, the pith or it's the peel or it's whatever. Mm-hmm. And, it's basically just doing that um, again and again and just kind of catching catching that kind of flavour profile and then kind of zooming in until you're like, yeah, it's exactly that thing. It's, you know, bread and butter pudding that's been burnt <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> so now we've got a quick fire round, which um, is different from the, the usual ones. Um, so if I start with you, James, um, if you just answer kind of the first thing that comes into your mind, um, if you can, I know that sometimes this is like putting people on the spot, um, what lost distillery would you bring back? Uh, that's a good question. I, I um, being from Forest, which is where I'm speaking to you now, I would bring back Dallas Dew, which is, uh, as many of you know, is part of the Malt Whiskey Trail, and is a historic distillery, not a working distillery. But uh, it's a beautiful building with the pagoda. You know, lovely location. And if I had the choice, I would try and bring that back, even on a small scale. It would be absolutely brilliant. Nice. And if you could only pick one type of whiskey to drink for the rest of all time, would it be a single malt or a blend? Uh, it would have to be a Speyside single malt, absolutely, yes. Although there's some tremendous blends, uh, you know, out there as well, but uh, Speyside single malt would always be my choice. And finally, who would you share a quake with? Um, I would share a quake with a, a man who we all know called Dennis Malcolm who celebrated 60 years at Glen Grant, uh, starting from Glen Grant Distillery, where he was actually born in the grounds of the distillery. His father and grandfather worked there. And is an amazing, uh, amazing chap, uh, knowledge of whiskey, brilliant ambassador for Speyside, um, incredibly modest uh, chap as well, and, and will not uh, take the credit he really deserves, uh, and great company with so many stories. So he would be, any day of the week, I would love, I've, I've had the fortune to sit down and have a drama or two with him, but I would love to do that again. Uh, and Blair, I'll come to you next. Blair, what lost distillery would you bring back? So I'm actually going to be going and say Dallas do as well, I, because I've actually been involved in a, a bit of a project with Historic Environment Scotland, who are the kind of custodians and guardians of Dallas Zoo. Um, and I've spent, I've been really fortunate to spend a lot of time there um, pre-COVID, um, obviously. And it was actually the last place I visited in the days before lockdown. It was the last distillery I went to. And I remember, actually, there was still plenty of toilet roll in Forest at that time. Edinburgh had already sold out. Mm-hmm. So I picked up loads of toilet roll in Tesco's in Forest. Um, but it's just such a lovely location. It's, it's one of Doig's distilleries. Um, so it's just, yeah, I think it'd be really exciting to see Dallas do come back. Well, that's good. I, I'm aware that there's a project in the background, Blair, so it, it'd be absolutely superb if we could find a way to, to bring that forward. It'd be superb. Yeah. Thank you very much, James. Um, it was great to speak to you and I will see you at um, Spirit Speyside online. Thank you. Well, nice to see you, Becky, uh, Blair too. Thanks very much for inviting us, Roz, and uh, look forward to meeting you all in person as well. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. So if you could pick one type of whiskey to drink for the rest of time, would it be a single malt or a blend? I realise there's other things you could say, but just for quickness sake, would it be a single malt or a blend? I would do the blend. Would you have any particular one or is it too difficult to say? Johnny Walker Black. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Um, And who would you share a quake with? I'd share it with all of you as long as we've got some sort of alcohol wipe thing to clean the quake before we pass it on. Um, and Becky, what lost distillery would you bring back? Mm, I'm going to say the Caledonian. 
let's be a bit controversial there. So the Caledonian is a grain distillery and uh, some of the best grain whiskey that I've had was released as the Cali as part of the Diageo special releases. Just wonderful, uh, big, bold, kind of caramelly, vanilla, marshmallow, popcorn style of whiskey. Just beautiful. And there are some other grain whiskies out there that are, that are wonderful as well, but I, I'd like to see more grain whiskey out there. And I think that Grain distilleries do have their own styles, um, even though they're making uh, whiskey on a larger scale. They do have their own styles. So, yeah, the Caledonian. Nice. And if you could pick one type of whiskey to drink for the rest of time, would it be a single malt or a blend? Uh, okay, I'm going to go outside of Scotland and say single pot still, because I really love the depth of flavour and the creaminess that you can get with that variety. And Currently, there's not um, most single pot still whiskey is made at just one Irish distillery, uh, but there are lots of distilleries making this style now. So going forward, I think there's just so much variety to choose from, and yeah, a really exciting category. So I'm going to say single pot still. And who would you share a quick with? Oh, see, Blair, I was also going to say all of you <laughs> lot as well, <laughs> but I would make it a giant quake so that everybody listening can also have a sip too. But um, yeah, maybe once we've all had a lateral flow test <laughs> before we wrap our mouths around the same cup. <laughs> before we go, I should actually mention my um, my whiskey show and tell because I said I would describe it not so eloquently as you guys. Um, I have a Glen Scotia Campbelltown malts festival for 2021 mm. I thought it would fit in with this topic they are not able to go ahead again this year they're going online too and um yeah I just thought it was great 10 years old unpeated it's a Bordeaux red wine cask finish it is quite strong but it's nice with water and uh, I thought it's it was nice, very fruity yeah. very nice and um Gordon my boyfriend is from Campbelltown so he has a bit of an affiliation and always buys up your stuff so we got a bottle pretty quickly which is nice and it was only 50 quid so goodbye well um thank you very much for joining me it was nice to to chat whiskey and find out more about your virtual festivals and spirit space side and as james said hopefully we can all meet up again soon in person have a drink great to see you guys let's do that soon yeah absolutely thanks so much for having us on thank you thanks see you later Thanks so much to Becky, Blair and James. That was such good fun and I'm really looking forward to all those events and trying some rye whiskey soon. Thanks also to you for listening. Remember to subscribe and rate and review us. Like any foodie, I'd love a five-star review. Scran is a laudable production that's co-produced and presented by me, Ros and Derskin, and co-produced, edited and mixed by Morvan McIntyre.